This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Now scrambling to find on our group chat the picture of Joe's shirt circa 2008 because promptly after that show aired, Joe did in fact text us a picture of this shirt, the quote unquote going out shirt, the only shirt that Joe Fortenbaugh has worn out on a date in the last 15 years. Keep in mind, he's only been with his wife, 10. Uh, so you do the math there. Uh, this Stop. Shirt, this, this shirt, it is gray. It is no longer black. It looks like a shirt that was once black. It ain't black. It looks like a shirt, a black shirt that's 15 years old. And it's got like like things on the shoulders that are very 2008-ish. You need to retire this shirt, Joe. This is what I get for not being a part of these pre-show meetings because I assumed we were going to come in and talk about the Lakers and the Nuggets and Doc Rivers getting fired. No, no, no. Nope. It's about the shirt. Might I add <laughs> that I wore that shirt on a date last Friday night oh, and not goodness. a single person in the restaurant had anything negative to say about it. So, My wife is a saint. She's a saint. She's been looking at this same damn shirt for a decade. That is a wonderful woman. We have got to figure out why she has not said anything about this. She <laughs> does. I, I want to clear one thing up. It hasn't been worn on every date. There are some dates I show up for where I'm coming right from work, so I'm in a suit, and right. I actually look probably good compared to the going out shirt. But we should get to the bottom of why she's tolerant of this because let's be honest, no woman should be. No, no woman, woman should, should be. be. Uh, she seems like a wonderful, wonderful wife, a much better wife than me, because my husband would have heard about this a long time what ago. Would you I'm have not said? necessarily one to. I would have said, and that shirt is going to Goodwill. Like, that's <laughs> the end of that shirt. And then he would have just come home one day, and the shirt would no longer be. I'm not necessarily wow. one to. Uh, Hold my tongue uh, in this household, but also, you know, probably not the easiest woman in the world to be married to. Who knows? Taking uh, matters into that. your own hands. Into my own hands. Now, let me ask something. And let me ask something quick. would be one of those matters. And what, by the way, what is so amusing about this is the fact that you are one of the best dressed people at ESPN on TV. Oh, easily stop. you are. So you go from like suited and booted to this. That's why I find this so extra amusing. I was about to throw a burn your way, and then you said that, and I have nothing else to say. That's uh, that's great commentary on your behalf. I, I've always thought you were the best host here at ESPN Radio oh, yes. for your opinions, and that is a great opinion. Uh, go on. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in tonight for game one of the NBA Western Conference Finals as the Nuggets host the Lakers presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. So let's talk about that matchup tonight. Tip-off in that game is 8.30 p.m. It's 2020 and 2023. But what, but I, what I would say, say the, the difference, difference here, here is, Joe, Joe, is the, the, neg neg the Nuggets, Nuggets are, a are a much more, more developed, developed team than they, than they were three years ago. And the Lakers are a little bit older. Let's talk about the point spread here. Denver opens six. Big point spread for game one of the Western Conference Finals, especially with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the other side, especially after what we just watched them do to the defending champion Warriors. Now it's up to six and a half. So it's been Denver money. Let's look at some of those Laker losses this postseason. More wins than losses, obviously, but the four times they've been defeated, they've gotten blown out by 10, by 17, by 27, and by 15 points. They don't show up for the fourth quarter. In fact, in a lot of these games, when they realize they're out, they go ahead and they yank the starters and they look ahead to the next game. 
I don't necessarily think that happens tonight. Maybe that's the case, but you're right. It's a much better Denver team, more seasoned. Jamal Murray coming back healthy, although he is battling a non-COVID-related illness. He's listed as questionable for tonight. You have Aaron Gordon. You have Michael Porter Jr., who stepped up big in the last series. And you have an older Laker team. And I wonder, the deeper you get into this series, will that age start to show itself for LeBron and AD? That's always the question, right? That's always the question with this Lakers team. The other way to look at it is maybe this is their last go around. So maybe LeBron's been saving himself a bit and will be extra motivated and we'll see one of those sort of monster LeBron James games here. Only Jamal Murray, Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Vlatko remain from that 2020 Denver team. For the Lakers, it's LBJ and it's AD. Those are the Lakers holdovers from 2020. So these teams are different teams. And and again, these teams are more developed teams as well. I would say certainly far more so for Denver than for LeBron's squad because LeBron and AD being the staples there. Nevertheless, LeBron's team's been a different team since the trade deadline and certainly a different team in the postseason. Defensively, the Lakers have been an excellent team, an elite team here in the postseason, and that's going to matter, matter a, a lot, lot, particularly that matchup with AD and Jokic. Jokic. And if the Lakers plan to win this series, they're going to have to do something nobody else has done this postseason, which is win at least a singular game on the road in Denver. The Nuggets have been incredible at altitude this postseason. Absolutely incredible. They're 6-0 straight up. They're 5-1 and against the spread. They're winning those games by an average of 14 points per game. They absolutely pulverized the Phoenix Suns in their three home games throughout the course of that series. So it doesn't have to necessarily be tonight, Amber, but at some point the Lakers are going to have to find a way to turn the tables on a Nuggets team that has been extraordinary at home, not just in the postseason, but in the regular season as well. That matters to me a whole lot for tonight. I think the Nuggets also need to come out hot, take advantage of that home court advantage and really set the tone for this series when you're going up against the superstars with the championship pedigree in LeBron and Anthony Davis. I feel like a lot of people are picking the Lakers in this series. I still feel good about the Nuggets in this series. Again, this feels like a Nuggets team ready to take that next step. Like they are on schedule. They should have frankly been here before this, but don't forget Murray tore his ACL. You had Porter recovering as well. This is now finally a healthy Denver Nuggets team led by the dude who has multiple MVPs. Frankly, probably should have won one this season as well. (laughs) This is the natural progression. This is the natural progression that a team with a superstar should take as they work their way to championship caliber. Nikola Jokic, you build around him. You make the acquisition for a guy like Aaron Gordon. You have Jamal Murray. You build it up. You take baby steps each year. And then finally, you put yourself in position where you're the one seed. You're at home, and it's the Western Conference Finals. This is the problem in Philadelphia. They cannot figure out how to take that next step. Maybe they should look at Denver because the Nuggets seem to be trending in the right direction. We will will certainly certainly see what it looks looks like like tonight. tonight. Again, 8.30 p.m. tip-off in that game. The coverage begins right here on ESPN Radio at 8 p.m. Coming up next, speaking of the Sixers, the first domino fell in the Sixers' offseason plans today. We will get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Joe's Philadelphia 76ers are now in the hunt for a new head coach. Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson, hanging out with you. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. We will get into the firing of Doc Rivers in just moments. But first, Joe's got that advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Rough week last week, but we were able to get some back with the start of this week. 2-0 and in pizza money yesterday, plus two units. Overall as a show, 115 wins, 105 defeats, plus 14.56 units. Tonight, we're going to start with the Nuggets, minus 6.5 over the Lakers. I see the Lakers losing this game, and when the Lakers lose in the postseason, they lose in spectacular fashion. Four defeats by 10 points, 15 points, 17 points, and 27 points. Look at the fourth quarter of those games. They're averaging just 22 points per fourth quarter when they lose. Extrapolate that out. That gives you 88 points per game. What is this, 1986? By that point in the game, they're already out of it. They generally tend to yank the starters. Everybody throttles down, and they go on to focus on the next task at hand. And I think that's what happens tonight. Denver's been outstanding at home. I think they put it on the Lakers. And then ultimately, you see the Lakers just check out in the fourth, and we look ahead to game two. Pizza money number one, Nuggets, minus six and a half over the Lakers. Breaking news. The Philadelphia 76ers have fired their head coach, Doc Rivers. On Sunday, the Sixers lost a game. I said immediately that they just cost Doc Rivers his job. Closeout games, not his best self. This is not just on Doc. When your team, led by your superstar Joel Embiid and James Harden, are literal no-shows and not one but two consecutive closeout games, I don't think it was the right decision. 
So the Philadelphia 76ers were eliminated in the Eastern Conference semifinals for a third straight season. They lost 112-88 to in Game 7 to the Celtics. And today, the Sixers dismissed coach Doc Rivers. The team announced the, new, the search for a new coach is expected to include Budenholzer, Sam Castle, Mike D'Antoni, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, Monty Williams. Those are according to sources telling ESPN. Joe and Amber's present by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family is well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, laptops, and more with electronic device insurance and cover your furry friends with pet health insurance. Are you surprised, Joe? Because I'm not. We floated this idea out yesterday. This is your team. I expected Doc Rivers to lose his job. I'm surprised that Milwaukee, Phoenix, and Philadelphia have all fired their coaches. That part's surprising to me. You figure someone's head's going to roll somewhere because those were three disappointing outcomes. I didn't think it would be three for three. In Philadelphia, not a total shock. Somebody had to pay the price for yet another shortcoming. Rivers has been at the helm for a few years. It's been nothing but shortcomings in Philadelphia. So the organization's making a change. I think secretly here what you're seeing is the commentary that we heard a couple days ago where James Harden started to let it be known that he doesn't really want to play for Doc Rivers. And Daryl Morey, the Sixers general manager, absolutely loves James Harden. He had Harden in Houston. When he got to Philadelphia, the first thing he did was start working on getting Harden in Philly. Whatever the reason is, and I know it's very analytically driven, he absolutely loves James Harden. So this is his first overture into saying, look, Rivers is gone. We want to keep you in the fold. That's also foolish because I don't think you need James Harden around. I don't think he's going to get you to the next level with the way he plays in crucial games. But While Rivers is the scapegoat, the players on the court deserve as much, if not more, blame. Because the MVP went MIA in the two biggest games of the season. Harden was missing in action as well. The players are just to blame, if not more, because they didn't do squat over the last two games in that series. Right, but you're not going to get rid of Joel Embiid, right? I mean, that's the long of the short of it. And there is a theme here with these three teams that you just mentioned. This is the rub when you have generational talent on your teams. You have lofty expectations. If you're coaching Joel Embiid, who just won an MVP, if you're coaching Giannis Antetokounmpo, if you're coaching Kevin Durant, if you're coaching those guys and you don't win in the postseason with them, you're probably losing your job. And that's just the reality of it because of where the expectations are when you have those players on your team. Doc Rivers delivered a 154 and 82 record in three seasons, including that 54 victory season back in 2022, 23. None of that matters. What matters is that Doc Rivers didn't do the winning in the postseason. There were no championships in the postseason. You have a finite window when you have Joel Embiid and James Harden. And when you have the dude playing at his highest level, Joel Embiid playing his best basketball, runner-up for MVP, runner-up for MVP, actually wins the MVP. Clearly right now is Joel Embiid's prime. It's not going to last forever. And when he's playing at the height of his prime, you have to get the most out of that player and the players around him. And it just seems like for whatever reason that Doc Rivers was not able to. George Sedano, 710 ESPN LA and ESPN Radio was on Greeny earlier, and he said the players don't seem to love to play for Doc Rivers. I think the issue with Doc perhaps at times may be the connection or lack thereof with some of his players, and that's not just a Philadelphia thing. I also think that in his Clippers stint, there was a notion of maybe being a little too stubborn about his ways 
particularly from a schematics standpoint. So I feel like every stop has had a little bit of a different scenario, but I think the one common thread is at times the players just tune him out. Now, you could say that happens with a lot of coaches, but it shouldn't happen with the coaches that have championship pedigrees. 16th straight winning season for Doc Rivers as a head coach, but also it was the 10th time he's lost in Game 7. It's important to note that Rivers isn't getting fired because he didn't win a championship in Philadelphia. That's not even what people are aiming for anymore, and I'm speaking as a Sixers fan. He just didn't do anything to show any sort of progress. It was a stalemate. Brett Brown was fired after the disaster in the bubble, right? So Brown has two years in the playoffs, 2017-2018, 2018-2019. They lose the conference semis. They lose the conference semis. They go to the bubble. They get swept in the first round by Boston. Brett Brown is fired. Okay, so here comes Doc Rivers to get him over the hump. They go to the conference semis his first year. They beat the Wizards in the opening round. Big deal. Then they lose to the Hawks in seven, which mm-hmm. is just inexcusable. So they come back the following year and they do what? Well, they first round, they take out Toronto 4-2, but then they lose to Miami four games to two in the following round. So again, the conference semis. And then here we are again this year. Milwaukee shows that they're not as powerful getting eliminated in the first round. The Celtics, not as powerful as they were the year before. They showed cracks in the facade. And yet again, Philadelphia gets bounced in the second round. No progress. And for people to say, well, it's hard to get to the conference finals. Is it? Because the Sixers have been in the playoffs six years in a row. And in those six seasons, 14 different teams in the NBA have gone to the conference finals. 14, that's half the league. It's not that hard when you have Joel Embiid and all this supposed talent around him. No one's saying win a title. No one's saying win your conference. Just getting to the conference finals once would have been enough. But these guys could not figure it out. And it's hard not to look at the coaching. It's particularly hard for me this season and this postseason when I'm looking around the league and then I'm looking at what Eric Spolstra is doing in Miami. Now, given the bar is set in a different place, again, if you're coaching Giannis or if you have Joel Embiid or Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on your team and Joel Embiid standing next to James Harden, like all of these things matter. And when you have those sorts of names on your roster, then you have a certain semblance of expectations. I'm not sure when you have seven undrafted players on your roster like the Miami Heat, that the expectations are quite the same. And Spoh's job certainly has never actually been in jeopardy, even that year that LeBron James tried to get him fired back in 2011. But still, seeing the job that he's doing as a coach with the lack of names on the roster. I mean, it's Jimmy Butler and then, frankly, everybody else. You can kind of throw Bam into that conversation, but I don't think anybody puts Bam on the same level as, you know, a Joel Embiid or a Giannis. And so with Miami, it feels like coaching. And with these Without other question. rosters, it feels like a lack of coaching. It does. Without question, Spo has shown time and time again he can get the most out of what you give him. That might not be in a championship, but he is going to extract the absolute most out of his roster. Rivers was unable to do that. I refuse to believe that this roster over the last three years that he's been here was only capable of the conference semis. I mean, as a Heat fan, I look at these rosters. I'm like, man, what would Spo look like if we had Maxi and we had Joel Embiid and we had James Hart? Like, you can I have them. You can have all of them. Right? Uh, take Joe them and all. Amber, you want, you want us to take them all? Listen, I'll take Joel. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, Joe Burrow, speaking of Joe's, is thinking about one thing when it comes to his next contract, and apparently it isn't how much he's going to get from the Bengals. Joe and Amber, the podcast.
Lakers Nuggets game one Western Conference finals tonight. The coverage begins right here on ESPN radio at 8 p.m. Eastern tip off is at 830 p.m. Eastern tonight. My heat propaganda world tour. Amber's heat propaganda world tour starts tomorrow right here on ESPN radio. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max tune into a little show there to hear me tomorrow morning, 8.15 a.m. Eastern. Then I will be on Greeny at 11.30 a.m. Eastern as well. And then, of course, Joe and Amber tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern. We've got a lot to pack in in a little bit of time. So we're going to play a, a game that we like to call Big Deal, Not a Big Deal. Before we get to that, Joe's got some more advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Let's go with Nikola Jokic over one and a half made three-pointers. This is plus 180, so we're getting a great return on our investment if we can go ahead and cash the ticket. I'm surprised. He's hit this mark in six of 11 playoff games. That's more than half, yet plus 180 indicates this has about a 35% chance of hitting. I think the price factors in Anthony Davis and his defense. Okay, But Davis doesn't want to come out into the deep waters. Davis wants to plant himself in the paint. And if you watch the Golden State series, almost the only offensive success the Warriors had was when they were able to force Anthony Davis to leave the paint and come out to the perimeter. Jokic isn't an idiot. He's going to try to do that. Oh, by the way, he's shooting 47% from deep this postseason. So I think he's going to put up a few threes tonight. I think he's going to make at least two. Pizza money number two, Nikola Jokic over one and a half made three pointers at a price of plus 180. It's making headlines. Extra, extra, read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal with Joe and Amber? By the way, Zach Lowe has a spectacular article on ESPN Plus breaking down every essentially potential matchup in this Lakers Nuggets game tonight, if you're interested. And he does say in terms of Jokic trying to pop off for threes that AD's fast enough to get out there, nimble enough to stop the momentum and can stay close to Jokic on pump and go drive. So I think that's the thought process probably behind what you just said is exactly what you said, that it's how Anthony Davis is expected to guard Jokic. We'll see if it looks anything like 2020 because he certainly did a pretty good job of shutting down Jokic back then. Let's big deal, not a big deal, James Steele. Yeah, big deal, not a big deal. I'll give you a, a story. You tell me if it's a big deal or not a big deal. Pretty easy. Uh, first, Joe, real quick. Uh, Amber's Heat Propaganda World Tour. Big deal or not a big deal tomorrow? <laughs> big deal. Beginning. I'm happy for her. I want her on the world tour. I want her doing all that stuff. Get that shine. Enjoy it. It will be hilarious for us when the Celtics sweep the Heat out of the conference <laughs> fi- semi-conference no. finals, and then we can all make our jokes. No, you don't want that to happen because you want the world tour to continue. Imagine how much run I'm going to get here across our platform. Smart. If the Heat actually make the finals. So we need to be rooting for that because if I get on any (laughs) of our programming, it'll say Joe and Amber, 7 to 9 p.m. Monday through Friday. That's what we need, Joe. That's how it's done. All right. I'm in full support of that. I retract my previous statement. Should we get uh, T-shirts made up? We should. Amber Amber Heat Propaganda World Tour. Let's do it. 2023. Yes. I, I don't I don't really know if I have the faith in any of the happenings here that that's going to get done in the next 24 hours. I'll make hours, them myself. It, it would have like, been cool. Draw with a Sharpie. <laughs> Are you sure. going to address on this world tour the fact that ESPN Analytics is giving the Heat a 3% chance of winning the series? 
I'm guessing that's coming up on one of the shows tomorrow. Again, I will be on KJM tomorrow, 8.15 a.m. and Greeny tomorrow, uh, just after 11.30 a.m. Is she ever going to address it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so second one, uh, Joe Burrow going to get paid here pretty soon. But uh, he says that how much he's going to get isn't the thing that's on his mind. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, whenever you have guys on the team that, that need to be paid, that's always on your mind. You want that to, to be a focal point, and so we're, we're working to, to make that happen. Joe Burrow trying to make sure that uh, he gets to keep as many teammates as he can. Big deal or not a big deal, Amber? Well, I would say that it's a big deal because it's exactly what you just referenced. Like, he made it sound like he's being the good guy, which in part he is. But really what he's doing here, it's self-preservation as well, right? He wants to maintain the weapons around him, the protection around him, so that he can have the best team possible. And if you have a quarterback that recognizes that, like a Tom Brady, who recognized that so many times when he was in contract talks, then it's good news for an organization. That's not to say Joe Burrow is going to take some sort of massive discount. Like, don't get excited, Bang fans, but it might mean that the way he'll structure things, that he'll be a little bit more amenable and keep in mind the other contracts that also need to get paid and be structured in a certain way so that they can kind of keep the whole gang together. So yes, I think it's probably good news and a big deal since he sounds like a quarterback willing to play ball. I would say this is not a big deal until he shows us with his actions rather than his words. Smart words. I'd be saying the same thing. Of course, I'm going to look to take less money. Of course, I'm going to do what I need to do to keep this team together. That is leadership. That's going to ingrain you as a hero in the city. Everybody's going to love you right up until we see the numbers. And once we dive into that contract, if you are taking less or you are structuring it in a way that can get the other guys on the team paid, then kudos to you, Joe B. You're a man of your word. But if you go out there and you get every last dollar structured in a way that's best for you, then this is all really just lip service. So for right now, not a big deal, but could become a big deal if the actions line up with the words. Some quarterbacks can lose their number one wide receiver and win a Super Bowl, and others oh, need to goodness. keep all Here their weapons know. around yeah. them. Nobody so had mentioned the Chiefs that so you had to find a way. AFC Championship game, mm-hmm. you know, that's all. Uh, we, it's just how it goes, I guess. Amber right. and I were not talking about the Chiefs. There was no door that was open there. There was no window that was cracked for you to slide in talking about that. That was a conversation about the Bengals. She talked about the Bengals. I talked about the yeah. Bengals. We were done. There was no need. There was no need for Kansas City. I, I felt like there was a need. Okay, uh, up next. <laughs> of course you did. In an, in an interview with the ringer, Devontae Adams, uh, Vegas wide receiver, had a lot of things to say, uh, including that he proved last year he didn't need Aaron Rodgers to be an all-pro, and also that he doesn't necessarily agree with the direction the Raiders are going with their roster. Quote, we don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now. I'm going to have to buy into this and try to be as optimistic as possible. He did say that while he hasn't spent a lot of time with Jimmy Garoppolo, all he's heard is great things about him. Big deal or not a big deal, Amber, all these things from uh, Devontae Adams. I would say ultimately, actually, it's not a particularly big deal. Now, he's being transparent, and whenever an NFL player is transparent, I suppose that in and of itself is a big deal. We don't always get that. The reason I don't find this to be that particularly of a big deal, Joe, is I'm not surprised. Like, he just lost his best friend on the team, right? I mean, it's the whole reason, other than the bag, that he went to the Raiders. But the truth is, he got the bag when he went there, so he's there, he's under contract, he's a professional. I expect Devontae Adams to still show up and 
try to show out, even if Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing him the football. I also don't, I'm not surprised anyways, that he would be saying these things because he was best friends with Derek Carr. It's a huge reason that he clearly wanted to go there and play there. And his best friend is no longer there and wasn't treated very well on the way out by the organization. I think big deal. Because I think there's more to this story than meets the eye. Number one, he's already laying the groundwork for being disgruntled. Like, what's there to be disgruntled about? It's May. You guys aren't playing right now. You're getting paid. The weather's nice here in Vegas. You got some OTAs, and then you can live your life and still enjoy your vacations until the season comes around. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be disgruntled now. There's plenty of time for that later. What I think here, and this is just a Joe Fortenball conspiracy theory. I don't have any reporting or data on this. But my thought process is he was under the impression that they were going to get Aaron Rodgers, his other friend from his time in Green Bay. And when they didn't land Aaron Rodgers and they instead settled on Jimmy Garoppolo, he's looking around thinking, wait a minute, this was supposed to go a different way when I came here and it's not going that way. I thought that's what we, you know, had discussed. I think the issue with Rodgers and the Raiders wasn't that he didn't want to play for the Raiders and it wasn't that the Jets gave him the best deal. It was ultimately Rodgers... From what I understand, was really only interested in committing to one year of playing. It doesn't mean he's only going to play a year, but he didn't want to commit to more than that. And I think the Raiders, like other teams that were in pursuit of Aaron Rodgers this offseason, wanted at least two years. They didn't want to give up the farm and all this money to find out that they were only getting one year of Aaron Rodgers. So I think that's what ended up happening. The Raiders had a shot, but they didn't want to just go in like the Jets did for the one year. And as a result, Devontae Adams is upset. That's just a Joe Fornball conspiracy theory. Right? Aaron Rodgers not wanting to commit, you don't say. <laughs> well done. Very well done. Uh, okay, one last one real quick. Uh, Aaron Judge hit two home runs last night against the Blue Jays, but that wasn't the big story. The Blue Jays broadcasters caught Judge kind of looking at something out of the corner of his eye in his uh, couple of his at-bats. And... Um, this is what he had to say when he was asked about it last night. A lot of chirping from our our dugout, which I really didn't like in the situation where it's a 6 nothing game. And I know Booney got tossed. Like, I was trying to save Booney by calling timeout. Like, hey, hold up here. Like, let me let me work here. I said a couple of things to some guys in the dugout, and especially after the game. But, um, you know, hopefully it won't happen again. So he wasn't cheating, he says. He was just looking at his dugout out of the corner of his mm-hmm. eye. Uh, it doesn't seem like MLB is going to look any further into it. Uh, is this a big deal or not a big deal, Joe? Not a big deal. I thought originally what he was doing was trying to catch where the catcher was setting up. Derek Jeter used to do this. A lot of great hitters do it. Right before the pitcher goes into the windup, you take one quick glance back to see where the catcher is setting up because that could tip you off as to whether or not it's going to be low and away, whether or not it's going to be high. You might be able to get a piece of information. So he comes out and says he was looking to the dugout and he was a little upset with all the noise they were making in there. Well, you know what? I'll take him at his word. He's supposed to be the captain of the team. Yanks are 24-19. and 19. They're seven and a half out in the AL East. They're behind the Rays. All right, that's fine. The Rays have been red hot. They're behind the Orioles. That should be unacceptable with this payroll. They're behind the Toronto Blue Jays, but they are a game and a half up on, on Boston. So I'm not surprised if Judge is back from injury and he's not happy with the way things are going because you know what? Yankees fans aren't all that happy with the way things are going. I think this is a big deal because it's baseball, because we know about sign stealing, because it's Aaron Judge, and also he does it and then immediately hits a home run. I do think it's a big I don't know if it means anything, don't get me wrong, but I think it's a big deal in a story when you catch something that kind of makes you 
think twice or look a little bit harder into it in that particular sport. He looks very clearly at the dugout. I mean, he didn't look behind him at the catcher. And the broadcasters even said it on the broadcast. Well, back when I was playing, sometimes exactly what Joe just said, you're trying to catch the catcher. That's not what it looked like. It looked like, though, he was directly looking to the side at the dugout, which apparently he was, and he admitted to doing that. And who knows why he was doing that. But I think that the world that we're all living in and what we remember there from Houston, it's very fresh in all of our minds. There is a conclusion that is reached when the camera zeroes in on those eyeballs and they look at the dugout. He looks back to the pitcher and blasts one. I mean, just blasts it. And yes, it's Aaron Judge. And yes, we've seen him do that a bunch of times. But that was certainly unusual. So I would say a big deal, something that will be watched a little bit more closely moving forward. Who knows if it amounts to anything, though. Coming up next, more on tonight's game between the Lakers and the Nuggets. Again, that game tips off at 8.30 p.m. Coverage begins right here on ESPN Radio in about 15 minutes. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Getting close, about 12 minutes away from coverage of Lakers Nuggets game one of the Western Conference finals tip off in that game is 830 p.m. Eastern tonight. We're going to get into that game. But first, Joe's got a little bit more advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, so we gave you Denver minus six and a half as pizza money number one. We gave you Nikola Jokic over one and a half made three pointers plus 180 as pizza money number two. Now we're going to give you Aaron Gordon over five and a half rebounds minus 130, a little bit of juice here as pizza money number three. Average six and a half rebounds per game during the regular season, averaging six rebounds per game in the playoffs. The Lakers are a below average rebounding team. I know that sounds crazy with Anthony Davis, but... Really, that's all it is, is Anthony Davis. And with Jokic, as we mentioned earlier, being dragged out onto the perimeter, trying to drag Anthony Davis out with him into an uncomfortable area and to try to jeopardize how good he is defensively, I think Aaron Gordon's able to slip in through the back door and find his way to some rebounds. So pizza money number three, Aaron Gordon over five and a half rebounds. For the fifth time in franchise history, the Denver Nuggets go to the Western Conference Finals. It's a great challenge, of course. We're going to play against uh, Lakers. You cannot relax. You need to play your game. The Lakers, the seventh seed, will face Denver for the Western Conference title. Now we're stepping into another round, like Bron say, level three. So now we got to take our focus, awareness up a level. A whole lot of people who are a lot smarter than me when it comes to basketball think that this one is a very hard series to predict, Joe. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. I'm not one of those people. And it's making me a little bit nervous that all everyone else is having such a hard time, I feel like, dissecting this series. One of the reasons that I feel fairly strongly about Denver here and particularly tonight in game one is because the sample size is larger. Like, yes, the Lakers, since they made those additions at the trade deadline have been a different team. And yes, in the postseason, this Lakers team, I can pull all sorts of gaudy stats that make them look like a formidable force. However, with Denver, they've been doing it all season long and all postseason long. Like they are over a very long period of time, easily one of the best teams 
teams in the NBA offensively and defensively. They've still been spectacular as well, but it's the way that they've outscored opponents and how dominant they've been a 34, seven record at home in the regular season. They've been perfect at home in the postseason, And it's not just that they've been perfect at home, Joe, but they've been completely dominant outscoring opponents by almost 14 points per 100 possessions in home playoff games. It is dominant there at Ball Arena. Yeah, 6-0 straight up, 5-1 and against the spread, winning by an average of 14 points per game. What do we make of the competition? Minnesota, eh, we're not going to give you a lot of credit for that. Minnesota's not very good. It's not to knock Denver, but when we're looking at opponents, let's see what we were up against. Minnesota, mm, not very good. Very disjointed down the stretch. Phoenix is an interesting one. We were thought... We were led to believe that this was going to be a really formidable team, and Denver made short work of them. Blew them out in four of the six games, lost two close ones in games three and four on the road at Phoenix. That's a pretty sound beating. What I wonder about is whether or not we're properly evaluating the Lakers. After they made all the trades at the deadline, they move on from Russell Westbrook, they make a series of acquisitions to try to improve the team. From that point forward, they were one of the better teams in the NBA, and they've proven that. I think we take everything that happened January and before, and we go ahead and just discard it because it's a completely different team. But a lot of people look at the Lakers. They buy into what they're doing. They take care of Memphis in the first round. How impressive was what they just did against Golden State? Because if that's Golden State from last year, three years ago, four years ago, that's one thing. But this year, that that Warrior team looked like they had nothing. Absolutely nothing. Clay Thompson couldn't hit a shot. Jordan Poole was MIA. Draymond Green's not the same guy. It was Steph and nobody else throughout the course of that series, and the Lakers made short work of them. Now, is that because the Warriors aren't any good anymore, or is it because they've become a slightly above-average team, or is it because the Lakers are so good they made them look like that? That's what we're going to find out in this series against Denver. It's pretty hard to imagine the Warriors aren't good anymore because they just won a championship last season. That being said, I saw them look not good against a whole lot of teams during the regular season this season. I mean, the struggles on the road for the Warriors were so well documented and it caught up with them in the postseason in much the same way. The Lakers have been dominant in the postseason. They've been the best team defensively in the postseason, in the league, period best team defensively also you just mentioned though the matchups that they've had and how do you fully evaluate them and when we talk about the Lakers we're talking about a play-in team coming to play the team that has in the entire body of work for the regular season and the postseason been the best team in basketball and that to me is what the Nuggets are and I just feel like there's something about Denver that it's hard for people to buy in on because they haven't seen it before in terms of the championships. You've seen it from LeBron. You've seen it from Anthony Davis. It feels unnatural to pick against them. Denver's the better team here. It's actually not that hard for me to pick against the Lakers. Who are going to be the role players that step up in this series? That will be the key. We know Jokic is coming to play. We know LeBron and AD are coming to play. Jamal Murray, he is questionable tonight with a non-COVID illness. He's expected to play. He should step up. But who are the non-stars that are going to raise their games? That will determine this series in the end. That ends up determining most series in the end, right? Certainly in this postseason, the role players have been so pivotal, especially for that Los Angeles Lakers team. They are going to need more from LeBron tonight as well. We'll see if they get it. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.